All right. Welcome, everybody, back to the PHLY Sixers podcast. I'm joined this time by both Kyle Newbeck to my left and Rich Hoffman to my right. How you guys doing? Look at that, man. We got the whole three-man crew here today. As I did for Derek yesterday, I want to remind everyone here with us, subscribe to the channel if you're here. Just because Hit I'm that not, thumbs up button. <laughs> just because I'm not doing it in my first sentence doesn't mean I've forgotten That's the best time to do it Jeez. is during your first sentence, baby. So, you know. Hello to Rich also. You knew what this podcasting thing? (laughs) (laughs) Just because I've been doing something for a decade doesn't mean I know what I'm doing. Please, please, please understand that. Uh, we oh, will, so you're like Kelly, the Kelly Oubre of podcasting. <laughs> yeah, you can't expect me at my age to get any better at High anything. volume, low efficiency. How did this podcast start off this way? Why, why am I getting roasted right now? Anyway, we have a couple of topics to talk about. I think the main thing today will be we are going down, looking through Sixers history, sort of you know, drafting our best team that we can come up with from Sixers alumni. Before we get into that, though, there has been a little bit of a development, non-development, some news at least, in terms of the Damian Lillard situation. Uh, Mark Spears the other day basically said that he's hearing of an Eastern Conference team. I think we have the full quote here uh, coming up on the screen. Basically, he's hearing that there is an Eastern Conference team that would be willing to make a trade for Lillard without his blessing. So I guess we'll throw it over to Kyle because I think everyone's going to go like, oh my God, could this be the Sixers? Do you think it's the Sixers? And if not, who do you think it is? Okay, so I don't want to break anybody's hearts here. I do not think that... It's the Sixers. I think they're very much on the, I'd say calling them on the periphery of the discussions would be giving them more credit than they probably deserve, right? Uh, I think the the team that everyone assumed it was and has certainly been involved in this process is the Toronto Raptors. They've, the Masai is always up to some shit and people he's, are like, oh, they're going to flip this guy. He's getting a little Danny Angish for me. Yeah, it's, oh, <laughs> Masai almost traded for him or wanted to trade for him. I think the team that I've heard, that I've made some calls, I've talked to some people, that is kind of the wild card getting into the mix team is the Chicago Bulls. And I know that the Bulls throughout this offseason, you know, Zach Levine's name has been thrown into the rumor mill a little bit. The Bulls shot that down publicly. The suggestion has been out there that if – slash maybe when they trade Levine that they would want to, you know, star level return, young players, picks, things with upside as they start to retool and reimagine their roster. What I have heard in the last few days is that it looks like they might be trying to move Levine as part of a multi-team deal just to see if they can get into the Dame Lillard sweepstakes. Now, the big question there is obviously, even if they could pull something like that off, even if they find a suitor for Levine, who is going to flip them stuff that they can trade for Dame, what the hell is Dame Lillard going to do if he ends up in Chicago playing with, like, Nicky Vooch, no offense, and DeRozan and, you know, Pat Williams, so on and so forth, but... I, it's something that's out there that I think is interesting. And, you know, I guess, have you guys heard anything similar or where are you at on this whole Dame situation? Yeah, I mean, talking to certainly other reporters, uh, Chicago was a name that came up. And, look, I think that would be a borderline crazy gamble for them. to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think every I, – I think there should be a team that will gamble on whether or not – you know, I've said this all summer – you got to find out whether or not Dame's demand is actually a demand or whether it's just a preference that he's presenting as a demand so he can get his way. I think it, again, not to give anyone false hope, I think a team like the Sixers would be interesting because I just can't see Dame coming to a team with Embiid and being like, 
no, you know what? I really want to play for Miami. I know this team could maybe contend for a title. I'm going to sit out. I don't see him doing that. A team like Chicago, I could see him throwing a stink if he's traded to Chicago. Uh, so I think there are teams that should call his bluff, teams that shouldn't. I can't imagine Chicago being the right team to do that, though. It just it, it blew my mind. It, it makes sense in that they're just, they should be a desperate team. They, they have painted yeah. themselves into a corner with, I mean, that you mentioned Nicky Vooch, Kyle. Like, that was a disastrous trade a couple of years ago. And, I mean, what are we on? We're on, like, three years of this Karnasovis Eversley thing in Chicago. So I, I do understand it from that perspective. But I also agree with Derek. Like, I can't imagine Dame Lillard being happy playing for a no. team that really doesn't have the upside of a championship contender. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess the the way we kind of bring this back into Sixers world is that if Levine is out there, and clearly, you know, the Bulls can say what they want and they're going to tell their people who report on the team locally, we're not moving him unless we get a great offer. But the word on the street seems to be, don't love the contract. I think you're going to see a lot of players in that vein where... Don't love the contract. Yeah, I think Zach Levine is a good player, not on a great deal. And with the constraints that the new CBC yeah, is yeah, putting yeah. on teams, I think Levine is a perfect example of the type of player who's going to get squeezed and potentially flip somewhere. So what do you guys think of the idea of the Sixers somehow getting involved and maybe going after Levine. I think they've denied interest in the past when they've been kind of tenuously connected to him, but I think he's at least semi-interesting, but the contract is, it is what it is. Contract's bad. Four years left uh, between 40 and 45 million per year, along with a 15% trade kicker, by the way, which you don't know whether or not he would, um, you know, decline that if you were traded. Uh, so that could be Would you decline a 15% trade no, kicker? <laughs> no, 15% of $45 million, I want that. <laughs> That's I a lot that. of money to just say, no, oh, I'm going to give it up out of the goodness of my heart. So, yeah, I don't love that contract. I don't like that contract. In fact, I pretty much despise that contract. And I've always been lower on Zach Levine than I think maybe the consensus is. I think he's probably gotten a little bit better as a distributor and a playmaker. Probably not where you want him to be if you're going to run that much of your offense through him, though. And combination of that contract with Maxi's next contract it would be real tough to make those three fit and I'm not sure that's a championship core anyway I feel like we've seen the best of Levine you know he oh, has these he, has yeah, these yeah. he kills the Sixers where kills them when he's shooting the ball it's like man, they, they could do nothing with this guy I mean I remember there was a game that Chicago played in Philly I guess it was like you know January February last year at some point he shows up when the Sixers are playing well, and he, what did he make, 10 threes? And it, it felt like he was unguardable at that point, too. Um, but I, I think he is certainly the example of a player, if you watch him all the time, that there are some deficiencies. Now, um, I think he's, he's pretty good, but the, the other issue with this, too, is not a great fit with Maxi. Like, yeah. I, I would like Levine more with kind of a defense first guard, you know, kind of like a Drew Holiday type or whatever. I feel like that would be a little bit better. You let him do the scoring. You let the other guy take the tougher matchups. That's not Tyrese. And the other thing is I feel like I just read all the time that this guy's knee is bothering yeah. him. And I feel like as he gets older, for a guy as athletic and as smooth and, you know, just as fluid as he is, if he has a bad knee moving forward, that's not a great thing. The other part is I, there have been whispers, it may be above whispers. It doesn't seem like people love playing with him either. He's not exactly, look, for all of James Harden's flaws and his issues and his ball dominance, 
you don't hear a lot of complaints from guys about, oh, I hated playing with him. They're all like, hey, it's, that's my guy. I'd go to bat for James Harden. And now, he's to be sort fair, of, most of the people who go to bat for James Harden are the one who want to stand in the corner, never move, and just take open threes, well, and he creates them for them. This is true, but it's not like he's been short on guys who want to team up with him in the past. right? Like The, the prospect of playing with James Harden was good enough that the Nets essentially said, we're going to throw away our immediate to immediate, but intermediate term future just to put together this big three. Like they had a, a creator in Kyrie Irving. They had an all time apex scorer in Durant. And then they said, well, screw it. They want to play with James Harden and he's good enough to lift us up. So Levine is not that. And if anything, we've gotten the indication the other way that there have been some issues with, how he gets along with – and look, he's not even playing with that good of players there. DeRozan, obviously, very good historically. Good score, isolation guys become a better playmaker over time. But for that team to kind of indicate, yeah, we don't love playing with this guy, that to me says quite a bit. Okay, all this said, the James Harden situation sucks right now. And the Sixers <laughs> are not – they are not in a position of strength. Zach Levine's contract worries me. There's all the things we've said. I'm just saying, like, it could get to a point where it's bad enough, where Zach I mean, Levine turns out to be, oh, okay, you know? You could certainly make the case that he's better than whatever they're likely to get in free agency next year. Like, if you want to make that case and said they should go for it, I can't completely tell you you're wrong. I just, I'm at the point where I think I would almost rather just see what Tyrese Maxey can do with the ball in his hands for a full year and then make that decision next summer. Um, I think someone like Levine, you probably have a, you can make a case that he, he's the best shit. You're not going to get someone better in free agency. I would, I would get that. I just want to see what Maxi can do. He can be somebody Joe likes, you know, another another pure sweat guy, though. And he, he also, I'm looking at his numbers. I feel like his three-point shooting is a little lower than I thought, the volume in particular. Like, I don't know. When he plays against the Sixers, I feel like it's like 9 for 12. It's way up, yeah. So, so he's, you know, he's shooting about 7 or 8 per 36, yeah. which I think you would want that to rise up a little bit now. If Joel and Nick Nurse tell him to do that, maybe that's the case. Because the Bulls, I mean, look, that has been a mess of an offense. It, it was ridiculous how good they were defensively last year, but also how much they stunk on offense. It yeah. was like the complete opposite of what you thought it would be. Now, so, I look, I'm not uninterested. I would put it that way. And that's 7 to 8 per game at 38 to 40% every year. Yeah. And a lot of those are tough, like rise up and shoot over someone. They're not all open looks. He is a very talented scorer for sure. And I think to Rich's point, not only if you had someone who maybe – was a little better of a defender to pair next to him, but also somebody who was a little more accomplished running an offense and just being like a stabilizer, then maybe you could take that sort of um, that sort of leap. But he would be, I, I think that Levine-Maxi pairing would be tough. Tough. Talented, but tough. Yeah, I think we're going to talk about this guy quite a bit later, I think, in one of our segments down the road. But the sort of ideal guy to play next to a Maxi is kind of a Drew Holiday type guy from a defensive standpoint, someone who's big enough to take... Yep. Big enough and athletic enough that he can take essentially any assignment. You can slide him around, and Maxi can just be the Trey Young hide in the corner, whatever. Or you know, Maxi can do the 94 feet pick guys up and and do that sort of deal, and then pass off to the half court guy in Drew. But yeah, Levine is certainly not that. He's on top of being you know skinny and. and somebody guys can go through I think his off-ball tendencies on defense are just bad like he's not a Mm -hmm. attentive guy away from the play and as we've seen with with the Sixers certainly in the playoffs throughout the years 
I think that oftentimes ends up being as if not more damaging than a bad on-ball defender. Yeah. I think on-ball defenders, you can at least you know, push them over to the side, try to avoid the matchup. If you have guys who are just disinterested, yep. it breaks your scheme and it, it breaks the whole system and it makes it hard even for very good defenders to make up for that. Yep. Well, I agree. Let's be, let's be real. Guys compete more in the playoffs too, right? If, if you're a one-on-one yeah. -on -one defender, it, there are matchups where if Jason Tatum gets George Niang too many times, he's going to beat him. But yeah. Sometimes, you know, I, I always think back to the Kevin Love against Steph Curry example. Sometimes you just try harder and maybe you guess right a couple times and, and it's better. But, yeah, I would agree with that. The, the other thing I'm a little worried about, I don't know, Zach Levine, Kelly Oubre, I feel like we're talking about some losing basketball players. Yeah, right it's team. a lot of stinky loser energy not, on the same team. I don't know. That's, not great win-loss records for those guys' teams over their careers. <laughs> also, who's the, I guess, the rah-rah guy when push comes to shove, you need somebody to like lift everybody up. It's not Joe. No. It's not Levine. It's not, I mean, Maxi is probably so like down the pecking order enough in that situation that his voice is not being heard. You end like, I don't want to overrate the, the intangible type stuff, but at a certain point, you do need somebody. We saw with Jimmy, honestly, like as long ago as that was, he was good for Joe in the sense yeah. that the, the personality difference made it so the things that joe isn't good at or isn't natural at jimmy's putting his hand up and, and yelling in somebody's face and maybe a little too often at times but it made for a good dynamic between those two just imagining a, a lot of sulking after a, a four game <laughs> losing streak and a lot of i don't know i don't know why we're playing bad you know nothing nothing interesting going on but uh yeah it's it's not zach levine so that's no. put it that way <laughs> He is not, uh, as I said about someone else, about Josh Harris the other day, he is not Newt Rockney. I'm not, <laughs> expecting, uh, I'm not expecting any kind of big-time motivational he, stuff out of him. What's up with Josh Harris? He loves wearing that hat now for the, the commanders. He's really trying to hey, turn into the old-school football coach. New, uh, new $6 billion purchase, new me, I guess, is the, the mantra. He can, afford, he can afford a baseball cap that says uh, Washington Commanders on it. Yes, yes he can. Uh, okay, so let's take a quick break to talk about our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. Back with another week of football as I keep hammering home. 2-0 birds, Monday night football. Could move to 3-0 with you know a simple win over Baker Mayfield. You would think that's easy betting, easy work for the Eagles, but you know we'll see. Uh, but DraftKings is keeping us up on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage. Two new offers every single game day this September. Football is more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now. Sign up with code PHLY. New customers bet just $5. Get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, with code PHLY. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY. Text HOPE-NY-467-369. 
888-789-7769. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles in Louisiana, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms and responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. I finally got through the phrase deposit restrictions without like saliva flying everywhere (laughs) or tripping up over it. So I'm really proud of myself for that small bit of the show. Oh, we can do it. And you've got that whole two minute read down. It's perfect. Uh Perfect. I'm I'm trying my best over here. I'm not a professional ad reader, but uh, I wasn't a professional podcaster at one point either. So you never know. Uh, So I guess the next topic of the show, unless there's anything else you really feel like should be talked about with the Dame and or Levine situation. Let me ask Kyle, because we talked about this a little bit the other day, but he wasn't here for it. What what do you make of this Dame situation? Where where does Miami go from here, I guess? I think Miami just sits there and says, Dame is telling you exactly what he wants. Now, here's the thing. I do think there are probably some teams that should be willing to take the risk. Like, I, I think... Toronto, at the time they traded for Kawhi, they were not looked at as like, oh, they're the one trade away team, right? That wasn't a risk. They were looked at more as they probably need to blow this thing up, right? It was DeRozan and Lowry, and they keep running into the wall, running into the wall, running into the wall. Does that remind you of any other team that runs You know, there may be a team that wears red, white, and blue that plays at the the center, as the team likes to call it. It sounds pretty familiar. By the way, that's wild. That's still wild that they go by that. It, you know, that's a whole pettiest thing ever. Anyway, it is very petty. So I don't think Toronto at the time would have been viewed as, oh, they're going to, you know, coerce or convince Kawhi to want to play here now. And they didn't. They didn't. They did get his buy in for a year, which is very important. And he was only on a one year deal where the downside with Dame or the upside, if you look at it that way, is that you have him on a long term deal. And even if Dame says, you know, I this is not my problem. I don't want to be here. You do have a little bit of time to sort this out and kind of get things going. So I think there should be a team. I don't think it's the Bulls, even though they're involved, who should be willing to take the risk. I would go so far as to say the Sixers should probably be more interested and more active on this than they have been. But I think the problem for them is that to do that, Maxi has to be involved in some way. And they would be walking a yep. calling it a fine line is a overestimation of how wide the line is because with the contract situation being what it is and them having gone to Tyrese and his representation and said, Look, we're not paying you until next summer and now all of a sudden you're being dangled for Dame Lillard, I think that then Who is he represented in- by again? A guy named Rich Paul. I think a lot of people are familiar with him. So that might not be quiet. Yeah. So I just think that's a scenario where you could run into trouble very quickly. No, you, and I think that's why yeah. it's been where it is. You can only mention, like, you can only bring up Tyrese Max in a trade if the trade is done. Not negotiating, not if they're going to, you know, if, if Portland's going to wait it out and see what else they can get. That has to be a at the very last second. And I think right now, from the Sixers' perspective, on the one hand, whenever they say, like, Anyone is untouchable. I don't believe him because nobody is ever untouchable. And as much as we might love Tyrese Maxey, like there are certainly, if Giannis demanded out, like you obviously trade Tyrese Maxey for Giannis. So he's not untouchable. 
That being said, like I think Daryl, I honestly do believe if he has a chance to get James Harden back and have Harden and Tyrese, I think he would take that over Dame. And I'm not sure I agree with him, but I think that's where he is. So as long as there's a chance that James Harden might come back and play for them, you're not Tyrese Max is untouchable and there's no chance they'd trade for him. Um, we'll see. If that changes and maybe James Harden makes clear he's never coming back. Not that he hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been exactly uncertain in that messaging right now but if, if you go through the season and that's true will it change i have no idea because i have no idea I, I think they value tyrese maxi very much um but boy dame would be just about perfect next one beat yeah joe and dame, just about joe and dame would be nuts. for a year or two i don't know how long he'd be perfect but yeah, for right, right now yeah i say that understanding that tyrese has long-term upside here for sure but uh yeah joe and dame that would be a, a pretty perfect fit I don't think we're going to see it, so no, it's nope. probably a moot point. But, yeah, that's why people were, look, all last, not last offseason, two offseasons ago when the Ben scuttlebutt is happening, that was the guy I think everyone in Philadelphia was like, yep. go get Dame. They wanted Dame because it it is a hand-in-glove type fit. I mean, he, he covers for some of Joe's deficiencies. Joe does the same for him on the other end of the floor, and it's – a very natural pairing. And a very natural pairing in the locker room, too. For yes. everything Joe doesn't do or doesn't want to do, Dame does that very naturally. Yeah, I, I do, like, people get swept up in, you know, Dame as a a person and a locker room guy, all that. I do, from everyone you talk to, he is as advertised as sort of a, a leader within there. Up until, you know, the just trade me to Miami and nothing else dialogue this summer so yeah and, and i guess with miami obviously they are in the driver's seat just because he wants to go there and they have a package of questionable uh you know i don't think it's horrible but it's 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 certainly not going to blow anybody away no um and i do think they are liable to just be and i think people are kind of forgetting this they were a horrible regular season team last year yes. and they just lost their starting backcourt and the other guy who was hurt last year now pretty much hates their organization so yeah I don't know. I, I think them waiting it out for a while could be could be kind of interesting because they went on that magical run. But I think as we've seen before, like yeah, you have the magical run, but new season and, and getting through a regular season, especially with Jimmy Butler, is is a far different thing. We're gonna draft some Hall of Famers here. We could try. All right. I don't so we know if we'll be good at it, but put up. No, we definitely won't. We put up one of those classic fifteen dollar games where we put everybody into tiers um, and basically. You know, you have $15 to spend the tier if you're watching on YouTube is up there on the screen. And if you're not watching on YouTube, go subscribe to YouTube. What is it? Smash the like button. Hey, the look at button. that. So look you can see Derek stuff go. like the interactive stuff. Very smooth. Um, very smooth. So, Kyle, and, and by the way, any any complaints you have about the tiers, send those Kyle's way. He came up with the No, 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 no. Yes. This went yes. through an approval process. Specifically, maybe that point guard in the $4 tier. I already saw some pushback on that. Uh, but we have... There yep. were questions also <laughs> for all the black and white players. Could you put names under these people? Because, <laughs> I mean, a lot those guys all played before I was born yeah. or before all of us were born, I should say. I thought that that would be, you know, they're pretty recognizable faces in Sixers history. Yep. But yep. Uh, the black and white names are Dolph Shays, Billy Cunningham, Hal Greer, and Chet Walker are the four guys. So... For, to clear up any confusion. Chet Walker, I had to do a story for The Athletic last yep. year on Hal Greer. Chet Walker and a bunch of those guys, delightful to talk to about. Yeah, 
Well, a lot of because I did, I did one on Dolph Shays, and same thing. Everybody from that era just seemed like they were just thrilled to talk about basketball. Yep. Basketball in general, Sixers basketball, that team. Uh, that was a that was a fun project, and it's it's you know, I think a lot of times when we can get caught up in the day to day, just taking a step back and talking about the great stuff. That was that was a fun project. Well, anyway. and think about those guys came from a time where the people didn't really know if the NBA was going to make it as yeah, a no. as a professional product, right? And I mean, so they were working. They had day jobs, too. You know, yeah. It wasn't just their... That's what I mean. And so these guys, having seen, essentially, they built the foundation for the league, they can look back and be like, I'm really proud that, you know, I was a whatever-time all-star and I played with this guy. And It's, it's funny that those guys... To, at least to me, when they've talked to me, haven't seemed that bitter. But then you have Shaq, who, as, <laughs> as Kevin Durant, you know, tweets at him, Shaquille, you are a billionaire. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. It's funny that the guys from the 90s feel like more of the, the back-in-my-day yeah. guys. When yeah. the guys in the 60s, you know, they, they actually had to struggle for, to make ends meet, even though they were the best basketball players in the world at that point. So I guess we'll just kind of start off. I don't want to go through all of our teams right away. We'll slowly unveil those. But, like, what was your thought process and, like, where you started from? Like, what was how, – how were you trying to build from the ground up? So, weirdly enough, I worked backwards from the fact that basically all the power forwards can't shoot except for one. Okay. And I think I wanted to – even if this – the foundational players didn't play the style I want to play with this team, I wanted to put as much spacing around them – as I possibly could. And so I'm looking at it and look, you see Bobby Jones, all time great defensive player. You have Charles Barkley who shot too much, I think as a three point shooter, he's got the most volume for the lowest percentage, I think of any player ever. George McGinnis, no real proof of him as a consistent outside shooter, obviously. He, he, back he takes then. some shots, though. He would definitely take some shots. And then, you know, no disrespect to Dolph Shays, like, did what he did. But the act of him defending any modern NBA player would probably scare the Shays family. He could shoot. He, he could shoot. shoot. He could shoot. But that, then that becomes a defensive problem. And so, weirdly enough, it sort of started with, I think Tobias has to be on my roster just to space the floor. And then that's where I work backwards from there. And you guys are going to see and everyone will see what my team looks like after that. It is really tough to do this because on the one hand, like you're going by what they did. Yeah. But on the other hand, I think a lot of these players, like let's say my power forward ended up being Bobby Jones. I think his career is like 77% from the line, something in that range. If you put him in today's NBA they would ask him to shoot. He would train on it a lot more, all of that yeah. stuff. So it's a little bit tough uh, to to build a team of different eras like that just because the game so played so differently, because the emphasis is so different. Um, I think a lot of these people, and, and this comes at other positions too, would have had the capability to shoot. We just never really saw it, especially I mean, back then there wasn't a three-point line to shoot from. Yeah, and to be clear, my I originally put together a team that Bobby Jones was my starting forward, and I had, spoilers, Joel as my center, and then I saw Derek's roster, and it looked really similar to mine. I was like, you know what, I'm going to do something different. We can have a little argument about it. Well, and I also think, too, you mentioned it. I felt a little bit hypocritical where the way I approach this, I feel like, yeah, okay, in the 60s, they couldn't shoot as well as they do now. So I, I kind of went era, the, the context was a little independent, I would say, of it, where you have a guy like, and this guy wasn't on my team, but Hal Greer was essentially like, 
the best, the second best shooting guard of his yeah. Uh, yeah. of his decade. I think, or there, there were two. Oscar and Jerry West were kind of the ones who uh, who were ahead of him. So he's like the third best shooting guard in basketball. What is that now? Like a couple years ago, Harden or like you know Chris Middleton at worst. Like a good, a really good player and a guy who was really good for a long time. Um, so I kind of went a, a little bit. You know, you, you mentioned Bobby Jones. Yeah, he can't really shoot, but put him in the modern era and, and kind of what he accomplished in terms of being a role player on a winning team, I, I think that's a good pick. That said, I feel a little hypocritical because I, uh, especially with my four and five, now I approach it a little bit differently than Kyle did, but I did want to get as much spacing on the floor as possible. Yes, and there was, a, there was a way I constructed the team a little bit differently. You probably took the other path of, of the two, but uh, yeah, I, I made Joel my center as well just because I wanted spacing for the other. The way All right. Going. So before we do our reveals, you want to take a quick break and then we'll uh, we'll come back and do the big graphic reveal and everyone can talk sure. about their teams. Absolutely. Does that sound Go good to it. you? Oh, I'd love to talk about our friends at the Game Time app. Uh, obviously, buying tickets can be a really painful experience, especially if you leave it to the last minute. I'm sure Rich and I'm sure Derek have been sitting toiling away on a, a summer day thinking man maybe i want to go to a phillies game today but these ticket prices are just not what i want them to be well the good news is with the game time app you can go to concerts you can go to phillies games flyers games sixers games eagles games theater i always bring up theater for whatever reason i don't know why you can get all these tickets to all different types of events at the last minute at the lowest price guaranteed there are flash deals you can get images of your seat view and again that low price guarantee you get event cancellation protection i mean come on listen to this list of things that i'm giving you guys just incredible so all you need to do to snag the tickets without the stress with game time is to download the game time app Create an account and use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. You might go use right. the game time app later. It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't no, the other one was better. Yeah. yeah. So I guess we want to bring up the uh, the, the full list. Yeah. Right now. So if we can pull up our teams for our, our fifteen dollar prompt now. That would be. There we go. So two of us ended up with Wilt. Yep. As our. So the the commonalities. To Derek and I were very similar. We had Wilt, Covington, and Drew as three of our five. Uh, we went. I will say the only reason I ended up with Covington, I wanted to put Aaron McKee in that group, but. Uh, Kyle had a strict positional policy where you could only put a small forward in a small forward spot. So I, I settled. Yeah, and basically, I, I had a dollar left, and I yeah. Had and I think our li our readers, listeners on social media, they used whatever positions they yeah. want, and that's fine. But I just just for the sake of argument, I wanted to lock put us, us put into down last night. We all had to shuffle. Okay, yeah. so let's start with Rich because he's the only one of us who had Embiid, and I actually had started there and pivoted off of that so i guess start there why why joel over the other options well it's it's funny too that none of us picked what i think is the best value pick on the board and moses. that was most malone yeah. at three dollars but the center position was loaded and so i guess the way i started was i didn't like the power forward position i i didn't really like it and in my opinion chuck was so far ahead of the rest of those guys 
that I wanted to start the team with him. And it's, it's funny, you're, you're, not to get on you, Derek, but you're, you're a little older than us. So <laughs> you got to see Chuck probably more than we did. A little bit. I was, I was pretty young when he was traded, though. I was not, I was not a full-fledged, like, hardcore basketball fan. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I thought Chuck was the pick for me there. And I just, you know, the more I read about Sixers history, and the, the good news about Chuck is he wasn't playing in black and white. Like, there's plenty right. of these highlights on YouTube. I feel like he still fits in the modern NBA the more I watch him. like We, we have a comment. Corver in the $1 tier would have helped. He actually was at one point, but we felt like with his shooting and spacing and off-ball movement, everyone would have picked him, so he was too obvious yeah. to cut him out. Corver was in the initial list, and Derek and I talked about it, and it was ruled that everybody would put Corver yeah. on the team at a dollar because he just you opens just, it up for everybody just else. have him stand there, and if, if you leave him, it's a yep. probably 50% shot. Yeah, so we wanted it to be a little more dynamic than that, but... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I think... I, and I purely cut you off because you called me old a minute ago. That's okay. You're, not, you're, you're off tomorrow's show. <laughs> well, old people forget sometimes. That's okay. <laughs> so, Chuck, but Chuck, I think, he fits in the modern NBA. Like, the the way I watch him it. on the kind of like the breakaway dunks, and he's just he's impossible to keep around the basket. I, I looked up his stats from, I think it was 86 to 92 on the Sixers. 26 per game, 12 boards, 4 assists, 58% shooting from the field and uh, almost 10 free throws per game and he shot 75% from the line. So so good enough. And I, I just kind of feel like he's a little bit, a little less athletic, but a more skilled Zion Williamson now. And I feel like that kind of fits in the modern game. And also he actually plays basketball. He does. He did. Um, so, you know, we're going to have Chuck. He's going to take... A couple threes per game. I, I have him with Joe. He's probably going to criticize all of Joe's threes while he also <laughs> takes bad threes himself. So that, that'll be an interesting dynamic. Yeah, did anybody factor personalities into these teams, or is this purely just... Uh... Well, I got the best quotes on my team. For sure. <laughs> well, that's... Yeah, you won the quote battle for damn sure. I mean, AI is pretty fucking good with quotes. AI and Wilt yeah. talking yeah. shit would be pretty good. Maybe to each other, though, also. So you never know on that one. So that's where I started. I started with those guys, and... I think when you, when you look at the rest of my team, we can get into, you know, I think Covington is, is an, you're going to have one player that doesn't feel right, right? And for you, it's Cov. For me, it's Lou Will. I kind of have Lou Will as kind of, he's the Mario Chalmers of my team where I feel so good about the other four guys that, you know, they can yell at him and, you know, he'll be a little bit worse defensively than Mario Chalmers. He'll be much better offensively. He'll do his Lou for ones and get 15 points and be good. And I, I just think the, the other two guys are, you have Andrew Tony, who is, you know, if you have Joel, I think you want kind of a more established perimeter scorer. And obviously Boston Strangler, one of the greats. And then you have Iguodala, who, do you remember? Like, you, you, we grew up in the Liberty Ballers, the depressed fan era. Do you remember when Sixers fandom was arguing about how good Andre Iguodala actually was? That's, yeah. like, that's like all we had. Yep. Uh, that was a, a sad times. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sad time in Philadelphia sports in general. It was say. great to see him hit those two free throws, jump up on those scores, that score table. <laughs> it was a good first moment. Round it series. was a good moment. Look, that was a good playoff run. And the one thing I... No, I'm not. I'm not giving Josh Harris credit right now. It's not, not the tenor. I give them credit for realizing that was fake. That's commander's yeah. owner Josh Harris <laughs> yes. to you, buddy. Um, it was only a dream for him at that point. He was a long ways away. But, you know, we kind of argued, oh, is he a number one option? Is he a number two? How good are you if he's a number two? Well, he goes to Golden State and is like the number five option. And it turns out to be like the greatest team of all time. Yep. So that's kind of how I went about this. Look, I can't argue with 
putting Wilt Chamberlain on your team, yeah. putting Allen Iverson on your team. I would have argued if Ben Simmons was on the team. Uh, I, that I'm was, glad nobody that decided was to go that well, route. Especially that because you made ugly. him cost $4. Like, geez. Oof. Well, listen, the, the, all I did this on was based you. on, you know, all-star, all-NBA yeah. type appearances. And Ben, for whatever his flaws are and were, he has some accolades. He picked up some accolades. Yep. Uh, Rich, I want to circle back on something. So I ended up going with, I don't want to say it's stars and scrubs approach, but it's like this version of it. A little where bit I, of LA Angels style I picked the two $5 players in Wilton AI. The things you were saying about Barkley, I almost decided to just go all in on Wilt and Chuck and say nobody will get a rebound ever against <laughs> this front court. And then you figure it out with shooting and defense elsewhere. Now, the reason I ended up going this way and, and saying I want Will and AI as the foundation of this team is that I think if you put Iverson in space in pick and rolls with a guy who people would still consider to be you know, generations ahead athletically, Will would fit right in. And whatever you yeah. don't have in passing talent – in you know the Tobias and Covingtons and even the AIs of the world, I think you can make some of that up with Wilt. Where I don't think that's the case with Joe. Like I still think Joe, as a mechanical passer, has a long way to go. And I think, as Wilt showed, obviously against different competition, he just decided to lead the league yeah. in assists one year and did it. And you know maybe Joe could do that with. 8,000 turnovers if he really wanted to. But I think that's kind of where I landed on it is that I wanted to be a, a fast team. So you get the ball to Iverson, run up the floor. You got Wilt trailing for if, if Iverson gets fouled, who cares? Wilt's going to dunk it if he's not there. The big concern would be is a modern team with Wilt just going to foul the shit out of him and make him make free throws for the entire game. But I just think as a two-way player – his accolades and his resume is basically undeniable. And yeah. so that's why I started with him. No, there are still, it's still, there's still people who want to like retcon Wilt's greatness because, oh, he was playing against a six foot eight guy and blah, 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 a bunch of plumbers. Watch that dude sprint all the way down the floor. Watch how quickly he crazy, gets going. Crazy, crazy He would be athlete. an elite, elite unicorn athlete in any era. Stop it. Stop. Just go watch that dude like high jump or sprint or anything. Yeah. He might have a funky hook shot every now and then that would be more refined nowadays. He would dominate any air, maybe not 50 and 20 like he did, but he would dominate. Yeah. Look like that's the stuff that you put in context, right? He's not scoring 50 because the game is not being played at the tempo they did. There were a lot of shots that were put up then, but if you look at his efficiency relative yeah. to that's the thing that's really impressive. Like, yeah, the guy's, huge in a league with smaller and maybe less athletic players to some extent but his efficiency is so much higher than basically everybody else in the league that you put him on a team with guys who will space the floor and get him easy shots and make it hard to double like yep. i don't know how you stop that guy i think it's worthwhile can we throw up the uh, the t uh, money values of all the players again just in case people joined there would be Midway some empty through. empty shoot arounds with uh, with ai and will on your team though yeah yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. So for Josh in the comments, here is what the uh, the roster or the 
the dollar values look yeah. like. So that's where we landed. So you, I'd like to answer Jim's thing, uh, Jim, Jim's comment in the chat where he says, you know, I, I hate that you guys always dump on, uh, I'm assuming he's saying kind of that Call it the Doug Collins 28 era. to 2012 yeah. era. They weren't going anywhere, but it was more fun. No, look, look, Jim, I, I agree. They weren't going anywhere. That got tiresome at the time. But I think as this exercise shows and kind of the NBA history over the past 10 years, there were a lot of really good players on that team. Yep. Yeah. They just did not have the guy. And I'm like stunned. Like Lou had an incredible career. Yeah. Thad Young still playing. Hawes was even good for a couple years. Obviously, Iguodala and Evan Turner made some money too. Like you go up and down the lineup. Drew Holiday still, you know, the third best player or the second best player on a team that won a million games last year too. So there clearly was a lot of grit, a lot of, um, you know, decent player players on that team. And, you know, the regular seasons I thought for that team were fun. They were up and down, you know, they lost a lot of games, their offense, they never turned the ball over um, because they got terrible shots and that, that was what it was. But yeah, I'm not like completely dumping on that era. It just at that point and after what, you know, 10 years of just post-Iverson kind of wilderness yeah. and, and not really being in the mix, it got a little tiresome. But yeah, I, I look back on that era kind of more fondly because that is when I think my Sixers fandom grew a little more. I think, uh, yeah, no, look, I appreciated a lot of people from that era. Uh, and I think going back to your old comment, I think I was the only one who actually covered Doug Collins here. He was always fine to work with in terms God of the God bless media. you, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was good to work with when we were doing the, 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 the top 75 all-time things that Rich mentioned about. Uh, I just disagreed with him a lot as a coach. But Iguodala uh, certainly holds fondness for um, Lou, like you mentioned, Thad. Like, there's a lot of players. And, and, I mean, all of us have, not all of us, but I think all of us have somebody from that era, right? Two of us have Drew. One of us has Iguodala. Like, I think we all appreciate You have Lou. Well, I was, yeah. so I was going to say, Rich has Lou, and he has Joe on his team, so a little bit of a different thing. But think about, I know that we're talking about their Sixers careers, but think about Lou Will and the, the partnership he built with Trez in LA and then consider what he might have done playing with fucking Wilt Chamberlain yeah. <laughs> if they're able yeah. to like operate some kind of two-man game a guy with incredible hands considerably more size than Harold like great finishing ability all that like even Lou who's a, a dollar guy <laughs> for the the sake of and we have a this era was terrible from em- Chris in embrace the debate he's a <laughs> big first take I energy just, right I there I just dreamed for something more at that point. Like yeah, it, look, it's, it's aspirational. Yeah. It's you, you can be satisfied with okay for a long time. It's just how long can you trot yep. that out? But those, those first round playoff series were brutal. They, they even got up two one in a couple of those series, and they had no chance to win them. Yeah. None. So anyway, I like yes to that the, to the point of Jim, Lou Will and Iguodala and Drew and these guys who were on that you know run of teams doesn't mean they were bad at basketball it means that they weren't they didn't have a guy who was a foundational star mm-hmm. to drive them past you know the the muck that they were stuck in because it's not like now the difference between the team now and the team then that team was not winning 50 games consistently no. back then it was like a 44 and sneak into the playoffs and maybe you give somebody a scare in round one the peak of that era is a win against the Bulls team that physically fell apart in round one. And to their credit, they hung in there against Boston in the next round and they battled and they were resilient, but we all sort of knew that the shelf life on that team was what it was. I was going to say, I would say the peak of that era was the Boston series uh, following that. Yeah. If you, if you swap in Joel Embiid for Elton Brand, 
that era is a lot more interesting. Yeah. That's all. All right. Uh, one quick word from our last sponsor here, and then I want to talk about my team a little bit because I haven't really explained my thinking behind it. Foco is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms, and we are now squarely in football and tailgating season, which means that it's time for overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, and bags, everything you need for a game. Foco has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. And Foco always has our back for sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. I love screwing Derek up every time by Vanna Whiting, the, the bobbleheads and the various things yes. behind us. Very entertaining. Set. Thank you, Kyle. I, I see Josh <laughs> in the comments is trying to throw people into the his roster that are not in the exercise, <laughs> including Keith Van Horn and Corver. He's going all out on spacing and shooting, I suppose. I, I respect it. <laughs> Keith Van Horn is not making my team. But yeah, I would say in the tiers, Keith Van Horn would be like, you might get money back for putting him on the team. <laughs> Would be my uh, would be how I go about that. Van Horn, save five dollars. Yeah, yes. So I guess the way I went about it, I started with Wilt. Seems logical. He was a pretty good basketball player, uh, and then I just tried to put as much shooting and as much decision making, as much defense as I could around him. And I think my defensive lineup is pretty freaking incredible uh, with Bobby Jones and Covington and Andrew Tony and Holiday. Like I think that's probably the strongest defensive of that group. I'm the only one that wouldn't have a second offensive star. But I think Andrew Tony's right there, and I think he's a really good fit. Someone who could play both on and off ball, throwing Holiday in there. Uh, I just felt like there was a lot of value in that $3 tier. Uh, and Bobby Jones, in terms of like someone who can do it all a bit, because like I said, I think he was a good mid-range shooter. I think he would extend that out the three-point line. And just as maybe the best defender outside of like the big man on the floor, and as a guy who could you know, create a little bit. Like, he was a really good passer earlier in his career when he was asked to be. I just felt like there was a lot of versatility among that group. And like I said, I wanted Aaron McKee because if I have, I think I have four pretty good decision makers on the floor and then Robert Covington, I really wanted Aaron McKee to sort of, like, complete that that group. Uh, but Kyle said no. Yeah, so I will tell you, my original roster was going to be, so Bobby, Drew, Tony, Iguodala and Joel and that the logic behind it is going to be nobody's going to score on that team essentially now the Jones Iguodala 3-4 combo with the shooting I would have been a little bit concerned about but I think to your point about Tony as kind of the say the pseudo number two but I don't even know if that's fair to him because I think if you go back and watch those early 86ers teams he was the certified number two in a lot of their biggest moments I think he's more than qualified to be the guy that you put him in actions with Joel or Wilt, whoever you choose there, and let them go to work. I wouldn't mind it if I would have had a little more shooting. Like, I think I have, um, you know, four capable shooters around Wilt, four guys with gravity, um, four guys who can certainly make the shot. I don't really have a bomber. I don't have a a pure, you know, super. A bomber? I'm not (laughs) even going to try it. I don't have a super high gravity guy. I think that's the one thing I was missing. But the defense just overrode it for me. And, and the fact that I have four, I think, really good decision makers and passers uh, was, was a focus for sure. You, you know what stood out to me about the success? No Julius Irving on yeah. anybody's team. It was shocking. It was shocking. There was just so much, I don't even want to say depth. It was just small forward was the one position I was willing to compromise on. Um, I, I created, I, I thought that he wouldn't get picked because I figured you guys would 
you know, Joel or, or Wilt would get picked, and then, you know, it would kind of be hard to get Doc because, you know, you want a little more scoring, want a little more defense. If you, if you take Wilt, you're probably not going to take Doc just because they overlap a little right. bit. Best Doc team, Drew, Andrew Tony, Doc, Toby, and then Moses as your uh, – so you're basically creating the, uh, recreating the 83-76ers – which true. wouldn't Plus be Toby. the worst thing in the world. They you were know, pretty good at basketball. Yeah, very true. good at basketball. So Moses, for me, the tough part with him is if you start, he's obviously an essential piece of the team if you go with Moses. For all his strengths and for everything he was great at, unbelievable Uh-oh. all-time rebounder. Here we go. Everything before the butt doesn't count. Not a playmaker, basically, yeah. at all. And once the ball went into him, that was – pretty much the end of it now he was good enough to justify it but if you're playing him with other you know guys who want and or need the ball that could be an issue he did he did create second shots it was just second shots for himself off of offensive rebounds yeah yeah and look i'm taking nothing away from moses we actually have a a a moses malone retired jersey picture frame that's going to get put up somewhere in the studio soon i have the utmost respect for you know the difference he made on a team that was running into the wall over and over again against boston and la and he was the guy that put them over the top so it's it's less about him and what he accomplished and more about building a a team out of all these guys i do wonder how differently that dr j tony cheeks era would be remembered if they never acquired him like, how does that change the narrative around that, that group? That people would not be very happy about it. I think Dr. J probably and, goes in the history books as, oh, the guy did all this in the, the soft ABA with the, you know, not as good talent, and he came to the NBA and can't score, couldn't get it done. Can't score in the final rounds, those type of things, you know. That's what I mean. I, th- I think Moses, not even indirectly, directly helped Dr. J's legacy in a big way. Like, nobody looks back and is like, well, he left – anything on the table and like meat on the bone. He was an yeah. all-star for however many years in a row. One of the most beloved players of that era. Any other, like Rich brought one up. Was there any other variation that you were heavily considering? Like a completely different team. Yeah. I mean, I went through some different combinations. Like I said, I almost went with a team that was functionally identical to yours, just right. swapping big men around. But I just, you know, that's boring if we all just have the same team. So I figured, why not Wilton Iverson? They're, as of right now, they're probably, if they're not the top two, they're, you know, top three players in the franchise's history. Oh, if yeah. you can get them on the floor together, then why not? I, I always struggle with AI a little bit just because he, he was a tough player to build around, but he's also my favorite player of all time. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. one of those things where I can completely acknowledge his flaws and you know, the, how long his prime lasted and probably how he should have went a little bit longer. But he's my favorite guy ever. He's still my favorite guy today. So I'm, I'm just basically irrational where I, I can't make a point against him is, is what I'm saying. He's also cool as shit. So it's just like, Coolest I mean, what, you're going to be the anti-AI guy? That just, you're anti-fun, essentially. Do you all, uh, sort of like me, just wish you would have come up as a writer in a different era like getting able to talk to him to cover him all the crazy shit he would say being able to sit borderline courtside to watch every game like that would have been he would have been a really fun guy to cover i really not that we don't have fun now i mean we got to see joel every game of his career ai was that was a different era too where players were just a little more open a little more out there with who they were um it would have been fun 
I do, would have been ex- would have been exhausting too. Yes. Oh, for sure. Keeping tabs on what's happening to TGI Fridays every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Josh brought up a, who do you guys think is the best player to have never won a ring? You put me on the spot here. Yeah. Oh, that's listen, that's that's um, why we're doing it live. Do you have an answer? I'm asking you. Now I get to go third. That's the whole fun of asking you guys. Uh, Chuck is up there. He's definitely up there. Certainly the one that comes top of mind just because of, of just where because I of you. And, yeah. Well, and also on Inside the NBA, they make fun they of him literally yeah. every five seconds. About yeah. Uh, oh, I, I'd have to think about this way more. I'm going to go with Chuck, too, because that's the one that comes to top of mind. Is there one better? So it, to me, it sort of depends on how you feel about Carl Malone. Carl Malone, yeah, is the and look, yeah, the, but he's a jackass. So he's a horrible person who I don't want to give any credit to. Yeah, yeah, and Chuck is a great person. So that's what I mean. Chuck's outside the be- of a couple incidents. Oh, I, I, yeah. I'll take the overall. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. His incidents are not in, close pale in comparison. To, uh, absolutely, yeah. and I think Malone, he's probably a good guy who has his emotions get the better. Carl Malone, real dirtbag. Yep. So. Chuck is not that. Chuck has had some indiscretions, but right. certainly differentiate. above board for, you know, 95% of his uh, public life, I'd say. Now, we have, we have an argument going on here. Um, I would definitely have Barkley over AI on that list. Yeah, like I, I think Barkley his career in Philadelphia yeah. specifically is really underrated. And yeah, part, of that, part of that is because the people we talk to about the team – are on average younger. The people who are online a lot are tend to be younger. And so they grew up just like I did, Rich did to an extent, Derek did with Iverson. And that's their guy. Like the, I've said many times, big reason I got into basketball is Allen Iverson specifically in that 2000, 2001 team and everything that came from that. But that being said, I think Chuck was just better. Like I think he had a, a longer peak than AI did. And if not for injuries toward the end of his career, he might have been able to to steal one on one of those teams uh, that he played on. Did Dominique winning? He did not. If he was you, the one that came up, the non-sixer that I thought If of. you look up some of the lists, uh, Stockton is in there. Um, Chris Paul is actually probably higher than you think on that list. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Chris Paul mark, but that's not a popular answer. He's people don't like him. You either are like the type of person who is into Chris Paul or you are very firmly against him. You're the same as me. My <laughs> friends over the years have given me so much shit for being a Chris Paul fan. I've actually grown to really appreciate Ryan Rosillo just because he's so out front about how much he, he rides the Chris Paul roller coaster at all times. And I, I've been the same way. My friends are like, why, why do you like this guy? He's, he's flopping at all times. He's borderline cheating during games. He plays slow. And I'm like, well, I just he's just really good at playing point guard. What do you want me to say? <laughs> Those things are all true. The thing that's a real crime is that I think it's been forgotten who Chris Paul was when he came into the league, like a dynamic, really quick totally. athlete. And had that taken away from him and still became a first ballot, no doubt, Hall of Famer. So I, I, I'm with, uh, with Randy, too. Harden probably is he's Harden, that list. Yeah, Harden oh. is way up there for sure. Uh, Jimmy's an interesting one. I mean, Jimmy is certainly, as a playoff player, he's such a weird player to talk His about. His resume is crazy because in the regular season, he'll go a month at a time where it's like, yeah, I'm not even going to shoot threes and I'm uninterested in doing things to help my team win. 
And then you get to a point where the games matter and all of a sudden he's like pseudo Michael Jordan for a month. Well, I would, you know, I would like to not be in this conversation. And if he keeps playing at an MVP level for a couple of years, Joel Embiid is going to be in this conversation at some point. Yeah. And that will not be, it's not a, look, it's an honor in a bad way, I guess, like to be, to be Charles Barkley, where people think of you as, oh, he's the best guy to never. And there's, if it's Shaq, they make fun of him, but it's also a badge of honor in some ways, right? It's like that guy was so good. And was right. never able to get it done. It's not like Robert Ory can make fun of him. Like you have no. to actually be at his level to no, make fun to of him. No, to Shaq's point, yeah. you got to be the bus driver, right? right? It's right. It, the guys who drove title teams have a little bit of leeway as Derek kicks water over on our set over here <laughs> to, well, to, get, to give end. Chuck grief. <laughs> I was wondering uh, about that one. Yeah, well, don't let Derek do anything with his feet. I just want everybody on the stream to know. I watched this guy try to use a soccer ball in our office right, about don't work, an yeah. hour ago and... Let me tell you, he could have gone to the Joel Embiid school of athletic upbringing where you learn through soccer and then translate the footwork. That's uh, stick to podcasting and writing. Look, is what my I feet would are say. pointless. I, I fully admit this. <laughs> you give me a soccer ball, I, I dribble it. I don't yeah. Know. So anyway, to circle back here, Joel may well indeed end up on these lists when it's all said and done. Like there are... Very few players who have won MVP awards. That's already, you're shrinking the pool of players a lot just by saying this guy won an MVP and has multiple runners up now, right? So you're going to look back in 10 years. If he doesn't win one, he is going to be, if he's not at the top of it, he's going to be very close. I, I think if he keeps going for a couple of years, like he didn't make the top 75 all-time list a couple of years ago when they did it. I think he was pretty much the closest active player to actually achieving that. He just was probably a couple years short of, of kind of padding that resume. But, you know, when they do it in 25 years, when it's the top 100, they'll certainly make the top 100 because you're adding 25 more guys as well. But I think he will be in the top 75 yeah. as well, as long as he stays relatively healthy for a couple more years. Because I'm sorry, when you come in the top two in the MVP three years in a row, not a lot of people can yep. say that. Yep. Even all-time greats. All right. Do you want to get out of here so I can clean up my mess? Yeah, Derek kicking stuff <laughs> over on set. So we, it's maintenance crew is going to have to come through here and, and deal with that. Got some warped wood. And by maintenance crew, I mean Derek is going to have to go yeah. grab a paper towel. All right. Well, thank you guys <laughs> for joining me, and we will talk to you both tomorrow. As I say every time, Smash. like and subscribe because Derek won't tell nope. you. <laughs> Take care. We all silly like the mayor. 